it is salt and shovel season for you yeah, yeah. well it's definitely salt season here it was really in a, in a really annoying way you guys didn't get any snow last night we got dusted and the, and you know everybody's preparing for a lot of uh, snow tomorrow so yeah. it's like uh, it just it's hell on olivia's feet you know when you when, yeah. when we take her out for a walk olivia's the dog for anybody just joining us for the first time <laughs> <laughs> nobody's walking around brooklyn barefoot here mm. um but no the dog she's a little mini and like her belly gets scraped up and she'll get like salt in her mm. like it's not like it's a leg pit i guess armpit leg pit yeah but like and it'll just you know she'll like be bleeding at the end of a walk i'm like oh that's bad so i i, I carried her over like a huge salt patch today <laughs> Oh my gosh. Doesn't she yeah. have like little vests and things that she can wear to protect her? She she does, but the salt still like snakes its way up at her leg, you know, if she's kicking mm-hmm. it up or something. And like the the vests have to have armholes. I'm trying to get her like a full body suit. <laughs> I keep trying to sell Aaron on it, but Aaron is not a fan of the yeah. full dachshund body suit. <laughs> it looks ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm very anti dog clothes, but I I could understand for a little dog like that. A practical she has use. no fur either she's like yeah she's a smooth dachshund but she's a very naked smooth dachshund the the blue and tans they have no fur they have like this al- they're predisposed to alopecia i guess mm. and uh so she started losing her fur when she was like two and so she's doesn't have a lot of it compared to most smooth dachshunds mm. this has been dog talk on podcasm yeah. thanks for joining <laughs> us you guys so how much snow are you guys looking to get out in new york city no one knows, but everybody's calling out of work anyway. <laughs> People are like, the rumor was like last night we're supposed to get one to nine inches, but it barely dusted us and nothing was accumulated. Mm. I went for a run on the Manhattan Bridge this morning when I woke up and there was just like the tiniest, it was like a, a quarter inch of, of dusting on the side of the bridge. That was it. That was, that was terrible. Yeah, but not too bad. <laughs> not, not too bad at all, I would say. <laughs> Yeah, uh, we uh, our forecast has been changing. Looks like it's been going down. Like earlier in the week, it said between like ten to fifteen inches, and last report I read this morning said seven to eleven. But that's still quite a lot of snow. So we're looking uh, we're looking for a weekend in. Yeah, they're saying three inches in New York City right now. I'm not really concerned about it. Yeah. Well, we're gonna go out and buy some stuff tonight. Get some bottled water and i'm charging up case. all my battery packs just in case you never know like our our neighborhood tends to lose power more than others because we have more trees so yes that is <clears throat> that is a thing for sure yeah but it's uh that's fine it's it's kind of nice like um i don't know i kind of wish that the big snow was coming on a weekend or a day where i didn't already have off from school because next monday i'm back in school now uh and and next monday is martin luther king day so we get the day off for that um but that's it's kind of nice i'm hoping that if we get a ton of snow that i'll be able to go out to the field across the street at the elementary school and build an igloo an igloo yeah that's my goal don't you need ice for that or like very hard packed snow no you just i mean you need you need a lot you need a lot of snow and it needs to be packing snow. So provided, I, I guess I, I think of the stereotypical igloos that are like, you know, cubes that are domed or something like yeah, that. That's exactly what I want to make. I've always wanted to make one. I helped somebody make one when I was a very little kid. Um, they did most of the work. I was allowed to pack the, the snow into the brick maker. Um, but I, I want to make one. Yeah. I mean, you, there's a lot of things that you can use. Uh, some people use like Folgers cans. Uh, I've seen some people use, um, like, a, a cut up, milk 
container, you know, like a, a gallon of milk, a plastic one, a jug, and um, and all that. But I, my my favorite tool for making snow bricks is the Crayola sidewalk chalk containers because they're they're large brick sized and they're perfect for packing. You just drill two holes on the back end of it so you can push the snow out if need be, and you're good to go. I see. That does, yeah, and it's not too tall either. Like, imagine mm. a bucket or something like that would be a little tall for. Yeah, yeah, that, for that. it would be very hard to get all of that out. And if, if you want to make consistent size bricks, you want to use something, uh, something like that, something that doesn't have like a lip on the end. Because if if you use the Folgers can, it has that lip on the in, inside of it, so it actually makes it harder to get things out. And if you cut that off, you're liable to cut yourself. And <laughs> it's so there's there's a lot of things you can use. Um, I prefer that that one tool but unfortunately i don't have one here and i think it's at my dad's and i'm debating whether or not i want to drive out there today <laughs> while he's at work just to pick up a an old plastic container <laughs> are you gonna go down to the local uh place where kids congregate and just go attack them with snowballs <laughs> i don't know of such a place i don't there's not a lot of kids playing outside these days like there are kids that go to the parks with their parents um i don't think that those parents would appreciate me assaulting their children snowballs but that would be fun i mean i i miss having those snowball fights around yeah as a kid. Uh, we sh- we've talked about that i think in like episode the first few episodes we talked about our, our experiences with snowball fights and yeah and you getting your ass kicked me getting my what no <laughs> no you're <laughs> am i misremembering <laughs> you're no it was my first fist fight but i definitely came out on top on that one hmm um, and you had your first fist fight. So in general, I think the snowball fights are 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 just share, universally shared by people. Like Erin was listening to that episode, I think, recently, and she just said that she said she also had a snowball fight experience. I think snowball fights are just where you you enter young adulthood. Like your yeah. young adulthood really comes to fruition in a snowball fight. It's like puberty, you know. It's, it's just, an acceptable it's a, entry point to violence because it's like. When yes. you're when you're throwing a snowball, in most cases, you know, as 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 long as you're not aiming at somebody's face, I think your parents are going to be fine. That's like always the one thing that the parents say: don't don't aim in the face, don't hit him in the face. But you're absolutely aiming for the face. Yeah, of course you're aiming for the face because yeah, like, you want to get it down their shirt. Like that's right. the goal. <laughs> like you're not not going to aim for the shirt. Like come on. <laughs> right. Exactly. But it's it's like a it's a good way to ease yourself into physical violence if. If that's well, something that you want in your life. Not about, it's not, I don't think it's so much about easing yourself into physical violence. I think it's an excuse for socially acceptable forms of physical violence. Because yeah. hurling an object at somebody else is an act of violence. If it's snow, you're like, oh, it's soft. And, you know, but I mean, it, it is what it is. Like, you're, you're attacking somebody else, even if it's a play thing. Like, it's a play skirmish or something like that. You know, it's like paintball, essentially, minus the, the, the you know, human weapon. Right. Right. Yeah. It's just I, like an, it's an excuse to, to wage war on somebody else in a socially acceptable way. And that's why I think it's the rite of passage kind of thing. Like it's your first experience because like, it's usually teams. It's never like, I mean, you can do one-on-one like you and your kid brother, or like you and your sister or something like that. But um, I don't think that like it, you, you learn about drawing sides and, mm-hmm. and forts and cover and exactly. All these, cover is so important. Right. All this stuff and like digging, like when you say dig igloos, like or making out making an igloo, I think about digging foxholes and like that's what yeah. we would we would 
we would build up big like uh trenches not trenches not like death star trench or like something like big but like something that you could hide behind like we'd build up a, a wall uh-huh. uh, for cover um like sneak attacks and like sneaking around <clears throat> the back side of the house and getting somebody else it's mm-hmm. just the it's a oh, real man. it's the real thing yeah we we had woods behind my house as a kid so if need be we could just like slip down into the woods and pop out on the other side and get somebody from that angle i miss childhood like those parts of the the playing outside part of childhood is really the only part that i i miss and maybe that's true for a lot of people but um i don't know even like kids today like i just don't i don't see them outside as much is that something you see like i don't know how often you go to the park but do you see that in new york not really i mean the only interaction i have like i don't know why but when i walk olivia past this this weird like um special i think it's a charter school mm-hmm. around the corner from me i don't it doesn't matter what time of day it is it's like 9 a.m 8 a.m one thirty. i just walked by at 12 mm-hmm. three o'clock the kids are always getting out of school and I don't understand it. It could be like an open campus thing for these <laughs> middle schoolers, but there's just, the rule is that these kids must always not be in the school. They must be entering and leaving the school. There's always parents <laughs> at random times of the day. It's very confusing to me why they're consistently outside hmm. of the school. And so that's, that's my exposure to the kids. Um, I see them, I see like some of the public schools, you can see them playing out at recess or something like that. Mm -hmm. I think watching children in New York is probably not looked uh, upon as a good thing to do. So I kind of, I don't think interacting with kids is something you do much here if it's not your kid. I mean, I just have that visual from Elf, you know, when they're in Central Park and, and the kids just start attacking Buddy and his, his stepbrother and, and they, you know. They fire back, or Buddy does. But I, I love that scene. But I, I love the idea of like Central Park just being like this war zone during the wintry season. I imagine there's some like not necessarily improv everywhere, um, but like a big coordinated snowball fight, like on mm-hmm. a Facebook event. You know, like one of those like Facebook oh, events. Sure. Where it's like everybody give the middle finger to the sun at noon on at twelve o'clock or something <laughs> like, like at, at, at noon on on January whatever. Like for yeah. some reason, you know. Normal things like on Facebook. Yeah. So if there is a big snow, do you have any plans? Like, is there anything fun that, that you guys can do? Is like, there, is there a place to sled in New York I'll City? I'll have to go to work, but that's, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, we, we used to sled in Prospect Park. Um, there's a couple slopes there that you can take. I mean, it's not as good as in college. Like in mm-hmm. college, you would just grab a lunch tray from the dining hall and oh, use that yeah. to like go down hills or whatever. <laughs> that was kind of your move back then. Um, but no, no, here, like... I don't even know what I'd use as a sled. I guess I could mm. use a trash can lid if I found one, but that would not be my trash can, and it would not be looked <laughs> down. Up, it would be looked down upon in a big way. Yeah, yeah. I guess uh, I don't know what you would use. We were thinking about that the other day. I mean, it was like, let's go sledding because we had a, a nice snow last week, and I said, using what? Like we don't we don't have sleds. She's like, oh, that's right. You and could our- buy a tube or something like that from Walmart. Something. Yeah, right? we could. I mean, we could we could do that. We do have tubes, but we don't want to. We don't want to destroy them because we do use them every summer in the water. Um, don't they make snow ones? They do with harder bottoms, but that would be something to go buy and something that we'd store and potentially use like once a year. Past couple of years, we haven't had very good snows at all. So this year has been kind of special. Last week, we we're because we didn't 
go sledding because we didn't have sleds. And my mom did offer us sleds last year before she moved. She's like, hey, I've got these plastic sleds. Do you want them? Otherwise, I'm probably just going to throw them away. I was like, eh, we really don't have anywhere to keep them. Just get rid of them. That's really the biggest attractor against accumulating stuff is not yeah. having the space to store it. Yeah. I and think I think yeah. maybe she she probably kept them. They're probably in her new garage, and I just I haven't seen them yet. But Oh, we uh, should ask. Yeah, maybe it will. But we, instead, we went to uh, we went to campus and we built we played with the dog and we built a snowman on uh, on like the green, so all the students could see it as they walked by coming back to class for the first time last week. Did you did you make it doing anything weird? No, like we may started getting cold, and I um I don't think she has quite How the patience <laughs> for for building things in the snow. I, I could be outside in the snow all day because once I get past that like point of like oh my god I'm so cold and I just reach that like point where it's like ah eh, I'm just numb it's it's fine. Um, I could play in the snow all day long, and uh, I was bundled up pretty well. Probably I don't think that she was quite as much. So I think she got tired of it a little quicker than I did, and we ended up making a snowman that was probably a third of the size of the one that I wanted to build. <laughs> and uh there weren't like a ton of like accessible branches and things for accessorizing. Um it's cute. It it's a cute little snowman, but it's it's not it's not much. I was uh visiting my father in Florida over the holiday break and he has this photo displayed in his entryway amongst many other photos in his place, but he has this one in particular and it's the, it's like Sharpie writing. It's, it's, it's a nice frame, but then Sharpie writing on the photo, it says, you know, Michael Comete, my dad's name is Michael. He's Mm -hmm. um, Michael Comete, his greatest achievement at age like 25 or something like that. might've even 21 or 22. And um, it's just him, his back to the camera with this, I would say if I had to imagine the height, he would, he's, my dad is five foot six. Um, and this thing that he's standing in front of touching has to be at least two or three feet over his head. So we're talking about like eight, eight feet tall, eight Mm -hmm. feet, nine feet. And it's, he says it when he showed it to me as a kid, he said it was a middle finger. (laughs) So it's just a big ball, like coming out of the ground and a giant finger coming out of it. As I've entered adulthood, though, and my my powers of perception have improved, <laughs> I think it was a giant dick, but I don't know for sure. I think the middle finger might have been what he told me it was when I was a kid. I I think he still because it had a narrower base. That's the thing. Is like it was a ball on a stand, like like a wrist or something like that. So I think that's why he sold me the the middle finger it thing had a so pedestal. easily. But like, if you were a college kid, he was at Mass Art at the time, and uh-huh. you know, if you were a college kid. <laughs> Like you're not making a middle finger in the snow. You're making right. a giant dick, of course. Like yeah. that—that's like that's passed down through generations. You, you find something malleable, you have to make a dick out of it. Like the first, like clay sculptures were not pots or tools that we could use. It was definitely a dick. <laughs> well, the could, ancient, could the be ancient used. cave people uh. <laughs> of North America made dicks out of clay before they made pots. Historian Mike Comite here for you. Prior to, to cups and bowls, you're saying that... Before, the, the, no, we had to test it out. We got it, We had to give it a test run, and what better way to give something a test run than making a giant phallus? Or a smaller phallus, doesn't really matter. A handheld phallus. <laughs> Some would say a normal size phallus. That's an interesting thought. It's well, a, it's a... I, I believe it to be a true thought. <laughs> that's impressive. I like any kind... I like anything that's made of snow and is really big, because it's a... Uh, it, it's... It's a monument of patience more than anything else. And if it looks cool, 
you know, kudos, bonus points. I think I have photo evidence of something I did in college. Let me see what I did. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have to go digging for this, but I'll try and tell you about it and not lose focus on talking while I'm digging for it. It was in... Yeah, you you, you talk while I'm looking for it. No, you talk while I'm looking for it. All right. Well, I I was just going to say, I I don't know if I've told you this before. I feel like maybe I've mentioned it in in passing in years past, but um, on campus, they have this arch in the middle of campus. And there's sort of this tradition at the College of Worcester where uh, if the students can band together and fill the entire arch with snow, that classes are canceled the next day. So it's kind of like a fun tradition. And last year is cool because even the president came out to like observe and everything and everybody gets their trash cans from their dorms. They come out, they fill the trash cans up with snow from all around campus and they bring it to the middle. They dump it on, then they go back and they get more like it's a huge campus wide affair and it's really fun. I wish that my school had had something like that, but uh, I'm hoping that they're able to do it this weekend. I think that'd be cool. That'd be so fun because it's a huge arch. I mean, it's massive. It's like a. It's probably, it's probably at least twelve feet tall, and it's probably thirty feet long. So like, it, it takes a lot of snow to like fill this thing up. But they do it. It's incredible. Not like I wouldn't say it's like packed. It doesn't look like uh, like uh, you know, like jelly cranberries or something coming out of a can. It's it's not quite that packed but they do fill it all the way up to the top and it's it's pretty considerable it looks like a cave-in more or less Uh, i don't that that sounds i don't even know how they would do that i'd go help i mean if they do it this weekend i'll go help if i can't do my igloo then i'll do that all right sending you over my my accomplishment right now you have to tell me if you can if you can tell what it is jacob's gonna have to describe this for the listeners well i'm guessing it's a phallus but it's not it's not there's nothing (laughs) sexual about oh this. god there's a lot of photos here um yeah i had to take a few different angles for it to get the full picture oh it's an homage it's an homage see if this, you, i'll see if you get it. this is this is calvin and hobbs it is it is <laughs> calvin and hobbs so I'll, I'll tell you the story this is my sophomore year in college uh up, upstate new york and uh my she wasn't my roommate at the time she eventually became my roommate um later on Jess, um, she was uh, in a percussion group with me that we were played in together, and she go- and she we had just become friends, but she's one of those people that just you know attaches to you and makes you attach to her, just a really outgoing person. And mm-hmm. so she would just get everybody's phone number in the group, even though we just met, and she texted me, and she's like, "Hey, we're going out, we're going to build snowmen. I'm going to do something crazy, uh, like a Calvin and Hobbes scul- snow sculpture." And I'm like, okay, I guess. And this is, the, the photos you're seeing are daytime. And I shot those, um, yeah, those are daytime shots. Uh, and But we had done it the night before, after the snow had, was still fresh. Like, so you can see it's kind of iced over at that point um, and, like, it lost its shape. But what we did is we took, we built two snowmen. And these snowmen looked to be about four and a half, five feet tall almost. Like, they were full-size snowmen. We actually rolled the balls out. We got sticks for arms. We didn't do carrots for the face, I don't think, mm-hmm. um, unless they fell out or like a squirrel took it overnight. Because, I mean, it's totally ostensible that we could have gotten a carrot from the dining hall. It was like right next to where those were made. And we took the two snow- snowmen, put them next to each other, took one snowman's head off, put it on the ground, and had the other snowman rolling it like a bowling ball. And then we built a bowling alley, <laughs> uh, f- like a bowling lane in front of both of the snowmen. And we left, and it was right in this. This is the center of campus. This is like the, we could, I think it was called the quad. Uh, you know, hanging up with the quad, bro. Um, and that was it. And yeah, so we went out there, and 
it was it was a it was a big accomplishment it wasn't it was no giant you know like eight foot phallus in the middle of mass art but it was it was jess's vision and i helped with it it's pretty impressive i like yeah. that man those are the best parts like of calvin and Hobbes. i love the wintertime comics yes. it's crazy like, like him getting hit with a snowball and losing all his shoes and socks yeah and everything of course like everything's falling off and everything but when he has the there's like the um snowman house of horrors where there's like a, <laughs> there's like a, a snowman with a tree growing out of his his center there's another one that's like laying on the ground and he's like chopped in half because another snowman has ridden a, like a sled through him it's so good actually yes, that's exactly it that's here's exactly it here's another it looks like another college campus homage to uh to calvin and Hobbes. it's pretty good oh yeah it's definitely not a it, ours is not this by is, any means the best one <laughs> and it's not by any means well done um no but, but i know what it was right now. away right well they had to spell it out they were they yeah, literally wrote in the snow <laughs> in, in bill waterson his name is bill waterson right mm-hmm. the guy who does calvin Hobbes. yeah um, they wrote out in his font um, tribute to Calvin and Hobbes in the yeah. snow in front of him, which is kind of cool. That's Wait, actually very. It would have been clear on its own. Like, I think. Yeah, any... I mean, the, those snowmen fleeing in terror are, is so impressive. Uh-huh. Like that's that the fact that they made that in real life and it's so recognizable and distinct. Yeah, those were definitely some of my favorite stuff. Him in the snow, because I mean, a lot of times it would just be them sledding down a hill and having this really deep conversation while they're sledding, and the end of it is just them, you know, going off a cliff and then realizing something mm-hmm. in the last moment. You know, it's it was a uh, yeah, Calvin and Hobbes that holds up. You know, it's it not does. like Dilbert, where Dilbert is, you know, Scott Adams is a piece of shit, so Dilbert <laughs> therefore does not hold up. And maybe it didn't even hold up back then. But I had all the Dilbert books, and now I can't even. I have to burn them all. You know, just because of scott adams shittiness mm. and uh yeah with and then with with bill i think it holds up especially because he never sold out you know like yeah, there's no. no calvin and Hobbes movie there's no calvin and Hobbes cartoon show knocking on wood right now because i don't want to see it but like yeah he never he never sold it out it was awesome no i agree it was always one of my favorites growing up and it's still like it's still really fun to read those today more more so even than peanuts like there's just there's something about those comics that are evergreen and my one of my more recent um, newspaper comics that I've, I've actually enjoyed is a comic called Pearls Before Swine. And I read that all through high school, all through college. Like I was a huge fan. And at some point within the last probably like five or six years, uh, the Pearls Before Swine person took some time off and they, they just had other like comic artists fill in for them. And Bill Watterson did one week and it was amazing dang yeah he like came out of retirement to do pearls before swine which validated my taste you know because it's like if if somebody's gonna bring him out of retirement it's got to be something that he probably really enjoys as well so because it was the like the one comic that i actually read it was uh it was cool that'd be cool to have like a comic where guests come in like if you had like a schultzian person take over a strip mm-hmm. or like every every week like a different artist gets to take it over i love that idea and i wanted to do that with my my old podcast when i wanted to take some time off for christmas i wanted to have oh, a like couple a host would come in yeah well i wouldn't want them to work over christmas so my idea months ahead of time um was to to get like two or three people that would do a, a special series you know like and we'd use the opportunity as sort of like a selling point so they could get some cool interviews because it was an interview show with people in the music industry or, or like in otherwise creative industries. Um, I wanted some of my friends who I thought had good voices and would do a good job hosting. I wanted to give them an excuse to interview somebody that they really admired. So 
you know, for, uh, for example, James Kasser would have interviewed an author that he really enjoys, or, um, you know, maybe Thomas Nassif would interview, uh, uh, an, an artist or another journalist that, that he's really enjoyed. Um, and it just, it didn't come together in time. And then we, I ended up basically folding the podcast within a couple of months after. So, but I love that idea. I love the guest thing because it's, it, it, it allows the show to continue. It, you know, it gives your fans something to watch and it's not like it's a permanent thing. So you know that there's yeah. an end to it. So you can enjoy it for what it is. Talk show hosts on TV do it all the time now, which I think is great. Like people fill in for Kimmel, um, I think he's probably the the best example of that because he has really great like celebrities come in. Jyra well, will have somebody fill in every yeah. once in a while on This American Life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. I mean, it, it's it's just uh, it's variability. It, it gives you it's like still the same format to a degree, but it lets somebody play in your play box or your your sandbox for a little bit, and I think that's kind of cool. I think it depends. I think. I think it's in, in concept. It's it makes sense if you can't do it and you need somebody else to do it, and they can keep your show intact. And it, but I don't I think, think they it, could ruin the show in one episode, though. You know, like over a course of three weeks, if they have three different hosts, they're well, not going to destroy the show. They're not going to they're not going to destroy it. But I think that people tune in for a specific thing when they tune into a podcast. They mm-hmm. they tune in to hear your viewpoint or your way of talking or your mm-hmm. jokes or your sense of humor and injecting that somebody else into that like with this american life we turn into stories about people uh, and you know whatever you know narrative narrative stuff uh long form or short form and the host is kind of just in the between and and you know ira needs to be out sick or needs to go on vacation once or twice a year and he'll somebody someone's like ira's out this week i'll I'll be filling in Mm -hmm. i'm pretty sure npr does that a lot too you know when they need somebody to sit and read the news it's like i'm blah 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 filling in for blah 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 and that makes sense when that's the format of your show when you you have a, a premise, mm-hmm. but like, like then it just becomes a. It, I feel like it wouldn't be variable bitrate without you, you know. Yeah, maybe, but I, I think that there's also something valuable to having somebody else come in because those people come with their own audiences, and that's a reason why a lot of podcasts will have guests. So it's a reason why they'll do things called pod swaps, where basically you just put an episode of your podcast into somebody else's feed and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, it gives your listeners an opportunity to find somebody new that you think that they might enjoy. And for variable bitrate, I wasn't going to bring anybody onto the podcast as a host that I didn't think, you know, wouldn't be accepted by the people that listen to the show. In most cases, there were people that had already been on the show as guests. So they, they were basically returning guests who were flipping the script and interviewing somebody different um, using the same model. But with, with, uh, with a guest host, you know, say for example, um, you know, in, in the relay, the relay FM network, they they will often if somebody has to travel or or is on vacation or something, they'll have somebody else from a similar show, kind of like in their extended family of podcasts, come in and take over. So I don't think I, I think that there's something valuable to having Merlin Mann come in and take over for Mike Hurley or Jason Snell on Upgrade because you know he's he's inherently going to bring his own audience to a show that his listeners may not have already listened to probably less likely in, in that world because all those podcasters are, are so incestuous and, and tightly knit in their shows. But, um, I think that there's something valuable to that. And I think in a lot of cases it it might actually have more viewership, like, because it's something different from what's going on. Usually like when Jennifer Lawrence hosted Jimmy Kimmel, 
tons of people tuned in to watch that or watch the clips online because it's Jennifer Lawrence hosting a TV show. Like that's an interesting, bizarre thing. It is, but that's that's a Kimmel show that already has you know it has a format, it has mm-hmm. a premise, um, and also it's Jennifer Lawrence. It's mm-hmm. not like. Like, I think I think James hosting your show would definitely would bring in people who wouldn't listen to it otherwise because he's going to promote it in a different way. Right? You know, he's going to he's going to bring that avenue in. But it's not they're not tuning in for variable bitrate. They're tuning in for James. People are tuning into the Kimmel Show with Jennifer Lawrence because they do every night. And the people who don't tune into the Kimmel Show are going to be tuning in, which is, I think is probably less. So if you don't tune into if you don't tune into Kimmel at all, like Jennifer Lawrence is not going to. It might make a small amount of people do it, but I don't think mm-hmm. it's a lot. Yeah, I don't know. There's there's a uh... There's advantages and disadvantages. At the at the very least, though, I don't think that so, somebody hosting your show as a guest is going to like ruin it. I think that there no, there are only benefits, and maybe those are small for some people, and maybe the people that generally listen to the show, if they were, for example, just listening for me, I don't I don't know why they would. I think people are listening to Variable Bitray for the guests that I had on the show, not for my questions to them. Um, they could skip that episode, and if it brought some other people in, and in the podcast we said, hey, you know. This is a guest host. If you if you liked how this this went, listen to the other episodes with Jake as the host and and all that jazz. But yeah, I wish that would have worked out because there were some really cool interviews that we had really close to lockdown and we just couldn't get the timing right and it kind of folded. But that's okay. That's all right. A lot of those people are actually starting podcasts now, so it's kind of cool anyway. Yeah, they're doing it on their own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh man, yeah. Podcast starting a podcast. I've. I don't know if this is this might be a, a good a good topic for today, but um, I've been working on this guide for starting a podcast just because I have so many people ask. You know, I'm, I'm by no means like a professional podcaster, but you know, I've been doing this for long enough that we kind of know how it works, and we've started enough shows, and we've helped people start enough shows that we have a, a good idea of you know what works and what's actually necessary to do that. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I had a short conversation on Twitter today. Um, sort of on this topic and and i i kind of want your input on it because a lot of people are starting podcasts and they're not they're not continuing these podcasts uh there have been some statistics going around that, mm-hmm. that yeah that i basically saw that show you see the, the thread this morning yeah i retweeted you okay so uh james Kernland, who is uh he's like an editor of a of a podcast newsletter called pod news um mm-hmm. he pulls together all these you know great statistics from all over the place and the one that he tweeted this morning was that 93 percent of podcasts on the free podcast host anchor weren't updated last month 75 percent of all podcasts on apple podcasts weren't updated last year that's pretty crazy i mean that's those are like some those are some pretty harsh statistics that show that people are starting podcasts and they're not continuing and i have opinions on this because i i think that podcasts are a great medium and I think that more people should try podcasting, but I don't, I don't think that it's meant for everybody. And I don't think that anchor may be the right platform to start on. And I, I don't want, I should preface this by saying that I do work with some of the people at anchor through my work at breaker. And I think it's a great company. And I think that in a lot of ways, them making podcasting easier is awesome. And it's, it started a lot of shows that have either stayed at Anchor or have moved on from Anchor, um, but it's a great platform to introduce people to, uh, you know, both listening and creating podcasts. But I wonder if the barrier to entry has been lowered 
by anchor too far. And that's the reason why, um, you know, these podcasts are getting started and then just being abandoned because there's a ton of them out there and I have to work with them all the time. (laughs) So what are your thoughts on this? What, what do you think like is the most important when it comes to starting a podcast? I think we've made this, I've made this equation before, not, not necessarily the equation, but like kind of a parallel, um, in this case, which is that starting a podcast is a lot like starting a band. Mm-hmm. I think that the idea, I mean, it's probably, you need a little bit more skill to start a band, I would say. Uh, cause you, but I mean, a lot of beginning bands, I mean, they look at me when I was 13. I don't think that was a lot of skill there, but we still did it. And it takes a lot of time to develop a band and to put something together that is actually doable. And, you know, then once you want to take it professional or whatever, you start out thinking that you have something really good and original Mm -hmm. and after a little bit of time, it becomes apparent you got to put a little bit more work into this. And the second that you want to take it out to a bigger scale, you have to really look at yourself and say, are we, is what we're doing sustainable? Is it what is special? So I think Mm -hmm. with the podcasting thing, everybody, everybody, not everybody, but a lot of people listen to podcasts and they think I could do that. This is a similar phenomenon that mm. I'm seeing now with stand-up comedians. Mm. Uh, and now that I'm doing good one and everything, like there's a lot of people are saying like, yeah, oh, I, I could do stand-up. You know, like a lot of comedians hear that um, from people who aren't comedians. And then you put them on stage and they, they just bomb horribly. And with a podcast, you know, like you, you think I could do that. And they say and and it may work well for a little bit but then you you start to actually look at the you widen your scope and you do this as a band too you widen your scope and you say oh my god i played a battle of bands when i was in high school mm-hmm. and everybody there um and like it was it was a it was a regional battle of the bands or whatever and for the first time in my life i was up against people that weren't from my hometown you know i i we, we would i mean this is we would clean up in our town, you know, like when we were playing at the local, like first Baptist church or the basement of the, the Y or something like that, we would bring in you know, like 50 to a hundred kids, sometimes 200 kids to a show. And they would just be packed there because we would do word of mouth promotion. And because we were like a cool band from this town. But the second we took it outside, it was just you outside of your, your town boundaries. It's you're nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm getting, I'm, I'm tangent here, but like the, the point is that, once we once we broaden our horizons and we saw what we were up against in the grand scheme of things, it's just like, oh wow, we, we this this requires a lot more attention. Yeah. And uh, if I'm going to go to college or something, if we're all going to go to college, then I don't think this band's going to work. Mm-hmm. And with the, looking at it as podcast, like you may think it's like what's that college humor skit where they're like, oh, we're going to do like a like a West Wing weekly where we just watch West Wing and we eat wings the whole time, mm-hmm. you know, while we're doing that. It's something along those lines. And the joke is like your podcast will fail. Like the the, 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 oh, the yeah, his, yeah. No, that was, his that antagonist really is like your podcast will fail, and he's just like <laughs> treating him like shit the whole time. He's like, but I just want to do a podcast. It's going to be fun. And the other guy's like, no, your podcast is terrible, and it's a bad idea. And it is like this podcast was is probably a terrible idea, but we have fun doing it, and we're consistent about it. So it, you know, we're not hurting anybody. We're obviously diluting the market, but <laughs> whatever. So. You you start to you, you you widen your scope and you see that there's oh there's a million other West Wing you know recap shows going on right now so what's the point of doing this anymore mm-hmm. becomes the question and yeah like no we, I, I get what you're saying like but yeah but there's just um there is something to that like there's there's uh there's people that listen to podcasts a lot of them and they think 
oh yeah, I can do this. And then once they do, and especially because starting a podcast in 2018 and 2019 is so much easier than it was in 2005, um, anybody can just start one right away, which is great because, you know, I, I think that the the ability for information to to move so freely is what makes podcasting so great like it's it's just an open medium so that's awesome but i think people realize once they maybe do like one or two episodes that one maybe um producing something that they actually like themselves is more work than they thought and maybe they actually don't really have anything to say like maybe they maybe they feel like they have thoughts on things because they're listening to podcasts. But once they actually start talking about things, they realize, Oh, I, I don't actually have anything to add (laughs) to this conversation. Like, it's just, I just thought that this would be like a cool thing to do because I like listening to other people who do the same thing. Um, and I, maybe some people start, I think a lot of people probably start out with that idea and they are able to get past it and they're able to develop the way that they, they rat, you know, critically think about things and talk about it and they're able to develop that skill. Um, but a lot of people don't and they just quit. But because now it takes just minutes to start a show, it means that there's like lower investment in the idea and in the presentation, which I think is super important. I think that more time should be spent starting the show than, than anything else in the process later on. Like this show, for example, we <laughs> danced around the idea of it for a year <laughs> and came up with a ton, ton of different names, different artwork concepts. Uh, and it, it just took us forever to get started. And then once we actually started recording, we recorded, what, like five five pilot episodes before we even released anything? Yeah, we just, we just backed backlogged it i think because yeah. we had done two years of bantha fodder before that and we had felt what it liked we had felt what it was like to peter out mm-hmm. not in that bantha fodder is petered out it certainly is petered but it's not out yeah um but it, <laughs> the but, pilot like, light is on <laughs> we we knew that we knew that to put a lot of effort into a show is probably not the like to put that much effort to put a bantha fodder level of effort into a show about star wars mm-hmm. which is like talk about West Wing Weekly, you know, like or whatever. Like the Star Wars is so there's so many Star Wars podcasts. It's it, unfathomable. It's insane, actually. It's obscene. That's not. It's, it's unfathomable, ob, insane, and obscene. How many <laughs> Star Wars podcasts there are? So and and we've we've I've remarked on this so many times about that's that's one of the reasons why we have to stop doing Bantha Fodder as often. I'm putting mm-hmm. as often in quotation marks because we didn't do it very often in the first place. <laughs> but but it's just like because it's just such a sad topic now yeah. in, in in our modern culture well, sure. in this day and age. But we, we understood what it was like to podcast somewhat regularly, like to, to be able to plan the next episode and to record that episode, put it out and then start planning the next one. Like we knew that process, but yes. I think for this one, because we wanted it to be, we wanted it like from the very start, we wanted it to be more regular. Um, we, we banked five because we wanted to be sure that it was going to be sustainable because both you and I have a ton of shit to do. And if this wasn't going to be something that we could continue doing before we even started, you know, promoting the show, then we shouldn't do the show. And if all we ever record is those five episodes and they either never make it out or we just put them out just to put them out. Um, we weren't going to continue if it wasn't something that we felt we could continue to do going forward. So I, I think, that's the right way to go about it. And even with Bantha Fodder, I'm pretty sure we recorded one or two of them before we even put them out. I could be wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure we recorded the first two before we put out the first one. 
I, I don't remember, but yeah. I, it, it, regardless, like we, we actually took a long time. To we put threw the first out our one first out. episode. We we like we completely re-recorded the first episode. We did. So um, I'm I'm glad we didn't like just put it out there because some people are just recording podcasts and whether they're using Anchor, I you know I don't want to like throw Anchor under the bus because. You know, I, it, I will. I'll throw Anchor <laughs> under the bus. I, I know you work with them, and well, they're fine. Whatever. The reason, and they're, they're the offering reason I service think, in their business. The reason I think Anchor has so many abandoned podcasts is not because it's a bad platform or they don't do what they should to support their podcasters, because they do, actually. They have really good support, and they have a lot of great documentation, and they guide people through the process where you know those people might not otherwise get those, that guidance. The, the thing with Anchor, though, is that it's free. And there are very few free podcasting platforms. And when your SEO is as good as Anchor's is, when people, you know, look, start a podcast for free, Anchor is the first place. So when you get that many people starting a show who are novices and have no idea how to produce a program that's going to be long lasting or, or you know, worthwhile, you're going to have a higher rate of abandonment. Like it's going to be higher than somebody, um, like Transistor, who, you know, they charge, I don't know, what do they charge us? It's, it's like, it's like, uh, t- t- between 15 and 20. Yeah. Well, it, yeah, it's, it's like, it's not much. What they charge is not much. It's their starter tier is, is very good, but it's still money. Like you have to be able to commit yourself to producing a podcast to make that worth it. I, I remember them talking through the beta and saying like, you know, when they opened up the beta for free to a couple of people, um, and then opened up the beta to more people at an even lower, like early bird rate, people were signing up, but they weren't starting shows. And so they, they looked at that and they made some decisions to, uh, you know, change some parts of the business to help podcasters get their show started. If that's something that they want to do, but still like those people are putting in an investment of not only their time and effort to make the show worthwhile, but also to host it <laughs> like you you have to pay to host it and even if you quit the show if you want the show to remain on the internet you have to continue to pay to host it anchor takes mm. that out of the equation which makes the barrier to entry even lower because people can just start they can open up the app on their phone putting in put in a little information they don't even have to put in like album art and or, or like podcast art and they can just start recording a show from their phone post it and it's out there and maybe they'll delete the anchor app or never open it again. But that podcast is now out there and it's also, it, it's going to be part of that t- statistic, which is abandoned. So I don't know. Like I, I, I'm an advocate for people starting podcasts if they feel that they have a good idea for it, but I think that there's a good way to go about it. And so that's, that's what I kind of been working on with this podcasting guide that I'm hoping I can get out um, within the next couple of months, just because I have so many like personal friends now who are asking me my advice on gear and editing software on different operating systems and hosting. Yeah. And, like there's just, there is a lot to the podcasting game and I feel like you can, you can make it as easy or as difficult as you want, but at the core of it, you need to have a good idea and it needs to be something that you can, you know, sustainably create over a period of time. If this is something you want to do, you need to be sure that this is something that you actually want to do. And the only way to tell if that's true or not is to actually start doing it. And I, I think the pilot is a good, I, like piloting is a good idea. I would say more yeah, than like one episode. At least five episodes, I would say. Yeah, before, three to, like, three like to if, five for like sure. If you're going to do a, a film review show, do five episodes mm-hmm. and see how you feel after that. See if like your 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 team, your your hosts or whoever, whatever you're doing is mm-hmm. getting groggy after episode three and being like, 
uh, week f- like because essentially you could batch record them or something but like yeah. if you're doing a weekly thing and you get together for five weeks and then you're supposed to release on the sixth week if after week three you're like damn it's really hard to keep this podcast going right. you're like oh like we're not really getting anywhere with this thing it's not like you'll know after three episodes oh, if yeah. you should just you know put this in your recycle bin and file it under things that I tried <laughs> you know yeah exactly and and maybe with the with the show if you're just talking about the latest Marvel release you could do five of those because maybe they're not that long and the production's not that hard but if you're doing a show where you're actually interviewing people in person that's a bigger investment and it's gonna be that's gonna be more time so maybe you don't need to do five of those. Maybe it's only going to take you three to figure out if that's something you're actually going to be able to do because it you could have take to you one. Yeah. It could take you one to realize <laughs> that. Oh man, I yeah. hate stitching together audio. I hate like, you know, re- yeah. cause there's so much stuff that goes on in the background. And I think, I think if I did film or something like that, I would know, I would ha- have a, that perspective as well on film and TV. Mm-hmm. I like, there's just so much stuff going on behind the scenes that you don't, that you take for granted as a viewer or a listener, you know, like, mm-hmm. Like watching, I'm watching Sharp Objects now with Aaron. Uh, you check that one out at all? Uh, no. I, I recommend it. It's a it's a good. It, it, I feel like it's a season of True Detective while I'm watching it, but mm-hmm. like a much better edited one. And um, it's uh yeah, like the, uh, like watching the dialogue in that show, like or watching the dialogue, listening to the dialogue in that show, where you're just like, oh man, it sounds way different in this show than it does on any other television show and trying to imagine what the sound editor is going through on that like this is something that you'll have to deal with if you're starting a podcast is like what is your what is your podcast going to sound like and it's going to be as easy or as difficult as you decide it's going to be you know if we mm-hmm. like they're a headgum podcast that were just recorded a voice memo on their phone and they post it and that flies mm-hmm. for their fans but um for for somebody else who has nothing to say and no fan following that's not going to fly you know like people going to turn it off just because it sounds like abysmal to listen right. to yeah i think that there is like there is a minimum viable sound that you should aim for like there it does need to sound somewhat professional recording it on your phone is probably not going to fly like somewhat is such a loose term though like i think about we hate movies yeah. they're 400 episodes deep right now 400 <laughs> episodes deep and and making their money sound and yeah making big money too for podcasting right. um <laughs> but their sound is just such like it's fine mm. it's except it's like it's passable but it is trash. Like, mm. those, and that's, I say that loving this podcast and listening to it every week. It goes to the top of my feed when it comes in. Their podcast sounds like trash. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it could be worse, I guess. So maybe not literal trash, but like, it sounds pretty bad. It needs to sound decent, but I, I don't yeah. want to like recommend People are always asking me, what microphone should I get for, for my podcast? I'm like, oh, you have a podcast? No, I'm thinking about starting a podcast. Oh, well, in that case... Um, spend nothing <laughs> yeah by, by like it the, by apogee's mic by a by, yeti by a yeti the yeti is always my go-to and i say hey if that's out of your budget you could go for the blue snowball but it's not going to sound as good and and there's like there's a million different directions you can go with this but just don't go the blue out snowball sounds just fine it, it sounds okay yeah like i, I would I, argue it's better than the yeti i, I recorded i, I recorded would a, one of the tracks in my album with that i would not argue that at all but <laughs> i I think it's a, it's a great place to start, but people are always, you know, they, they're looking to start, um, they're looking to start a brand. They want to, they, they want to like heavily invest in this thing so they can feel good about it because they feel that the amount of money that they put into it equals good show. And if your idea for a show is bad or you're in, you know, your like emotional and creative investment isn't high enough, then it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. Um, I mean, taking it back to music again, 
think about all of the kids that I saw or you saw like in bands that, you know, would go out and buy like a Bogner amp or like a bad cat or, you know, like anything like spending money on like a Gibson guitar is like a 12 year old, mm-hmm. you know, like it was insane. Yeah. And, and we didn't do that as kids in my, no. my, my, gr- my group of friends. Like, but there were kids that did kids that would be like, Oh, I'm going to save up for a Gibson. Cause like, that's going to make my band sound so good. Mm-hmm. It's this, the, it's a constant ongoing discussion in any recording or music making circle is that the gear will never make your content good. Yeah. It's that, uh, <laughs> Oh my God. What's, you know, downfall, the downfall meme. No. Uh, that you, you've definitely seen it. It's like basically just like a. It's the Hitler in the bunker, bunker, and them telling him. Bad oh news yeah, yeah, and yeah. Subtitle. That's downfall. That's um, and so it's a meme. Uh, for listeners that, that aren't familiar with it, it's just it's a, from a, the film Downfall, at a scene where Adolf Hitler is being told uh, a particular piece of bad news. What people do on the internet is they substitute the subtitles in the film and the actual film because it's it's all in german and they substitute it with english subtitles of anything in particular any conflict so in in one amazing version that i saw and it's pretty much like any fandom has this you know if you if you google like sherlock and and downfall you will probably find some sherlock debate going on between hitler like Mm -hmm. freaking out about something and his like everybody around him like trying to placate him or whatever um but the one I'm thinking about is the one with Stevie Ray Vaughan, where it's just two people talking about tone. Mm-hmm. And like, so Hitler's like, yes, get me the guitar and like the, the pedal, like the Stevie Ray Vaughan pedal that like sold by boss or whoever. And, uh, I'm going to become like the best guitarist ever. And then the person who's like giving the bad news, like, sir, we all know that tone comes from your fingers and not from your gear. And they just go stop going back and forth and everything. And th- I can imagine seeing that downfall meme with any, th- any aspect of podcasting mm-hmm. or any aspect of of gear mm-hmm. where you think that you have to buy something good like right. that saying like a shoddy craftsman blames their tools it's true like you know it's mm-hmm. true to an extent well it's a chicken and egg thing because people i i want to recommend most highly to people that they start their show like i i want them to like start the show so they know what the process of planning and recording and editing, like how all that is going to go. And that'll help them decide whether or not they want to do the show. I think that's important to do before investing into gear. But I understand that if people want to record three episodes of a show, um, that they want those three episodes to sound good. Cause if they do end up deciding that they want to continue recording and producing this podcast, they want those first episodes to be, good enough to put out like maybe not fantastic but they want them to be good so i think a, like a starter mic suggestion is fine like a snowball or a yeti depending on your budget those are good ways to go and if you've been doing it for a while like i say if you if you get like 15 episodes in especially if it's like a show that takes a lot of production work if it's an interview thing where you're gonna have multiple tracks and you have to do lots of editing um once you get 15 episodes in and you know that this is something you can continue to do then start looking at other gear suggestions you know like upgrade your rig i don't remember how far i made it into bantha fodder before i finally ditched the yeti and i i got my my sure beta but too um, long yeah too, too long too long for mike but <laughs> i think it would have been fine if i didn't have the shielding issue and no and my office. yeah that's fine like i i my my philosophy on this is run straight ahead with what you have mm-hmm. until you run into a brick wall yeah like or until you hit or until you or, find a field but i can continue i'm sorry or you finish your field yeah i don't get it well okay you say keep going until you hit a brick wall i think that's fine but also keep running because you might end up finding a spot where it's like 
wait a minute, this thing that I've been doing and has been really hard for me during the, oh, this part of the like podcast. striking gold or like uh, content like wise, with shitty, yeah, like shitty production being like something that people like or no, something. No, no, no. I mean, the idea in my head is that I I produced four or five episodes of variable bitrate with super heavy editing, like super heavy, um, you know, cutting out ums and ahs and splicing bits of the conversation. So it, it became this like thing that it wasn't in actuality, but sounded amazing. Like those, those first episodes of variable bitrate, um, maybe not the best overall production quality, but the editing of the words themselves were super tight. And, they were based on the way that I like to listen to podcasts. I like when po- conversations go a little bit quicker and I wanted it to sound professional and I wanted my guests to sound professional. So I'd cut, cut out the ums and ahs, but that's ridiculous because nobody cares about the ums and ahs. Just, just leave them and no one will notice. They're not going to notice the difference. And once I realized that I cut down my production time, my editing time on those podcasts by hours and okay, so like, I, so run I, straight ahead until you realize you can yeah. just walk, and uh, like that—that's yeah. what I see it as. What I what I'm referring to though is like running, like that's production. I'm talking about gear, like mm-hmm. and gear is part of production. It's some looking at a small aspect of it, but like you should be able to make something interesting with the bare minimum and yeah. the bare and, and an adequate knowledge of what makes good sound. Like you mm-hmm. should you should not need a nice mixer. Like I shouldn't need this Apogee duet that mm. I have right next to me to record. I'm glad I invested in it because when I started, because you know, Apogee is a great company. Um, sponsor me please. <laughs> uh, but, uh, they're a great company and their preamps are amazing and I haven't needed to upgrade as a result. Um, but you know, like I would have just started with a Yeti too, you know, if mm. I was in your situation and you know, I happen to get a really good deal on this. I think that's it. But like, I I fantasize about upgrading this Apogee Duet mm. almost every every other day. Yeah, you you know, I think about like, oh, what do I want to do? Oh, do I want an Apollo <laughs> Twin? Like two episodes back or three episodes back, we talked about like the gas I got, the gear acquisition syndrome, where I was like just fighting off like spending anything, and I made it through the holiday season without spending a dime on gear. <laughs> um, I made I didn't buy the app. I didn't buy the Isotope pack that I was offered for really cheap relatively cheap um and i didn't buy the fab filter pack that was offered at a discount um and i didn't buy an apollo twin i didn't buy an apogee element i didn't do any of the things that i thought i wanted to do because i was just like you know what like if i need new gear or a new plug-in or a new compressor or a new mastering suite mm-hmm. i'm going to know that like eventually i'm going to hit a wall with it like i'm going like here's an example uh, in concrete real life i had to record a three-person interview yesterday mm-hmm. for a good one and I didn't, my duet is two input, duet two. Oh, no. So, like, so I had to use a Zoom H6, which I've told you before is going to be my, my mobile rig yeah. uh, for when I have to do mobile stuff and when I have to record more than, because you can record up to six people, six mics input it's crazy. with an H6. Yeah, it's great. It's very, I say it's relatively affordable. It's a great interface. The Zoom interfaces are amazing. If you're looking for a cheap interface for your computer and you don't want to do a USB mic, a, a zoom just get a zoom plug it in your computer you're set um and that was so that was the brick wall i hit i hit a brick wall i was like i as a professional need to record more than two people sometimes so i need to figure that out and the answer was an h6 um so that's the brick wall that i'm talking about is wait until you're you hit your limit and then figure out how you're going to scale that wall uh so like you know what just get a sure M- sm58 and uh, a, a zoom h4 is fine 
and that that will get you through any podcasting situation you'll need until you have to record more than two people mm-hmm. or until somebody says like hey the plosives on your sm58 are sounding a little bit too heavy um like i I've, and you're getting that feedback a lot and like okay well i need to figure out some some way to minimize my plosives or something like that or like your podcast is really quiet like can you figure out how to do that it's like oh well i guess like recording into audacity is not really cutting it right now and i need to figure out how to get some more gain into my my signal chain or whatever you mm-hmm. know like You'll be you'll be made aware of your limitations by someone or by yourself when right. you when you realize it. Well, don't make problems for yourself, right? Like you'll run into these problems, and when they're problems, you can deal with them. But don't don't go overboard and try to plan ahead for these problems that you may or may not have. Yeah, I mean, like a certain degree of planning ahead is nice because, like, like I got the three person interview yesterday because I was equipped to do so with H six, mm-hmm. and the person who I who who was not able to do the interview did not was not able to do the interview because they didn't have an interface they were like oh like they they had hit me up and i was i had mics for them but i didn't you know like we're, we're not at headgum we're not allowed to loan out the interfaces um and so they were like oh can i have the interface i'm like i'm sorry it's just like you don't work for headgum um so i like i you know i can't my hands are tied mm-hmm. and they they were not able to do the interview as a result mm-hmm. um so that's 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 the brick wall that they hit. And it's like, if, if you want to continue to pr- produce professional podcasts, you have to have a way to do that. Yeah. Whether that's rent renting from like your local, you know, electronics store or whatever, if that's an option or just investing in it, if you think right. it's something that's going to be worth it. Yeah. And those are excessive circumstances. I don't, I don't think that there are many people who will want to start a podcast that will require a remote rig, but I know that there are some because I know that one person texted me last week about it <laughs> and asked me for suggestions, which I relayed to you and then relayed back to them. And, uh, remote rig. Oh, the, the Marantz recommendation that I gave. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, those are, those are, that's like broadcast quality. Like that's that's for like npr stuff level yeah well like th- a, there's a other one that you do fine for everybody else you sent that other one that was a it was a the task cam was a, a pretty good oh, suggestion yeah, yeah. it's a good that's, start that's yeah that's definitely what i i had my eye on that one for a while for a mobile rig yeah but um there, there are a lot of yeah. circumstances to start a show but i don't know my my thought over the past couple of days specifically thinking about um people starting a show for the first time just it boils down to knowing what you want to do and being sure that you're able to do it and the rest of it will follow. And if your first three episodes sound terrible, that's fine. Like you could scrap them. If you feel like you can scrap them, then scrap them. And if you know that's something you want to keep doing, you know, produce the the next couple at a at a higher quality. You could even re-record the first two because we've done that. And Dude, I thought about remixing our first episodes of Bantha Fodder. That'd be crazy. <laughs> I thought I, it would be crazy because why would we ever do that? Yeah. But I thought about it just because it's like, it's our work. And yeah. I was like, oh, I, I could sound better though. Yeah. But you know, there, there's something that people do once they've been podcasting for a really long time, they look back at those first episodes. Um, you know, I'm, I'm always the kind of guy that wants to leave that up there because it, it shows the progression. I think that's important to keep. Um, but if you're the kind of person that, that feels so badly about those first episodes, after you've been doing it for a while, you can just pull them out of your feed if you want. Like, you don't have to keep them available for people. And you right. can just, you know, you can call it whatever you want. And that's a lot easier if you don't number your episodes because people will be like, where the hell is one through three? But if they're if your titles are just more generic, then nobody's going to even know they're gone. Yeah, I think... Uh, so, I've probably talked about this before, I forget. But Jesse uh, from Good One 
kind of he was you know he he he's seen what I can do with our interviews and what what our episodes end up sounding like, mm-hmm. and something never sat well with him, which was uh for his older but for his old producer was the Seinfeld episode. Mm-hmm. So he actually, he was like, hey, I've never felt good about the Seinfeld episode that we did uh, however many years ago. It was like a proto episode mm-hmm. where like he didn't know he was making a good one episode where he was like dissecting a joke. But yeah, it was. It was doing it live at Vulture Fest. And he's like, yeah, so could you just like maybe take another crack at that? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. He he handed me the, he handed me like an MP4 and I stripped <laughs> the audio from, from it and used that. But I polished it up and like I made it sound like everything else that's in the feed right now. I cut out a bunch of stuff that was kind of awkward during the interview. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so like you, you can go back in time and, and, re- and change things for the better, you know, but, um, it's not necessarily, I mean, nobody cares, like, yeah. uh, that the, the interview has a little bit more high, like, it's a little bit more excitable, like, right. the exciter on, on the on the interview is, like, a little bit more high-end presence, and, like, oh, I cut about that <laughs> bit where it was, where they paused for a second, and Jerry said he didn't want to answer a question, like, mm-hmm. oh, cool. It's really a benefit for new listeners, though, because anybody who had already listened to that episode has already heard it like they're not going right. to go back they're not going to notice that you you changed the clarity it's like buying a remastered album yeah like i no. my favorite my favorite artists have re- in the past five years have released re-released their albums as remastered mm-hmm. and i've just listened i'm like i don't care like dude like you did fine the first time around the remastering yeah, yeah like, unless it's there's a noticeable difference there's an inherent re-listenability with music like people, people are more inclined to listen to an album more than once than to listen to a podcast more than once. But I, I get what you're saying. Like it's yeah, fine the yeah, first time. You don't is, need to do it. Right. Like, you, like nobody, like Led Zeppelin, you know, with modern day recording does not need to hit the studio again. Granted, Bonham is dead, but like, I, I just mean like, you know, if the Beatles were all alive today, they would not need to go recut any of their albums with modern day techniques. Like, mm. because those albums are just great, you know? Yeah. So this, yeah. So I mean, could they have been better? Like, yeah, they had limitations in the hardware, but we're not going to go down this road today. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> we'll, we'll say that right for now. our Beatles episode. Yeah, <laughs> we'll say that for a Beatles episode. But like, to to your point, like, yeah, sure, you can go back and fix things that you don't like. But you're right, progression is important, and showing the passage of time and the evolution of your show is way more important than making people think you were always awesome. Right. Yeah. I think I think that's a that's a really 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 good point. I love having the pilots available forever because they're not great. It's your, your first episode's probably not going to be awesome. The first pilot I did for VBR wasn't even for VBR. We, we started that podcast as intending it to be the under the gun review podcast. It was going to be the podcast, Mm. which would have been me and a cycling, you know, group of hosts that were writers on the website. And we got one of them done and then under the gun folded within that month. (laughs) And I'm like, you know what? I kind of like doing that. I'm going to I'm gonna turn it into something different, and maybe we'll have some under-the-gun people on, but I want to bring some other people in, too. And so your show will probably change. You know, like, this has become sort of like a, a pontification of, of how podcasting is going to work for people uh, rather than rebuting a, a, an article. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to change. And you're, the only way you know like where your podcast is going to end up and where it's going to settle in and find its groove is after you've done a couple. So start podcasts, but do five of them and don't tell us about it until they're good. <laughs> Maybe don't start podcasts though, at the same time. <laughs> no, people should try it because I mean, podcasting is great because it, it gives it gives more people a, a bigger platform to to sell their ideas. Like 
it doesn't have to be an NPR show for it to be super interesting. I mean, we listen to those highly produced shows by radio stations and, and all these other media companies, but we both listen to independent shows, which we really, really, really enjoy. And we laugh from, we learn from, and we look forward to every week. And they're, they're just from people that just started doing something. And that's great. I think if that, if you end up being that for somebody else, that's fantastic. And if you don't, that's fine because you can still listen to podcasts and enjoy them just as well. You know who I, okay. So you're right about that, but you know who I don't want to start podcasts <laughs> and that, that I think anchor is a, a fundamental in making this happen, hmm. uh, for the worst they're, they're, they're making it worse. Um, <laughs> is, uh, businesses, hmm. uh, and, and uh, like, uh, specifically New York city companies, Hmm. like like startups and things like that like i like something that like anchor has been i think posting is like oh we'll come to your job and set up a free podcasting studio for you Hmm. to and i think it it reminds me of that ge project that i was getting sort of roped into uh like a month or two ago that never panned out where some eggs some big wig at um ge who is they're making like a bunch of like shows about you know themselves or whatever so a bunch of small segments mm-hmm. they were just like oh this should be a podcast you know like people <laughs> really get into this that's it's the like, new boardroom line. exactly like, it's, it's like, this should be a podcast yeah like by don't get me wrong like there's a self-importance that goes into starting any podcast believing yeah. that anybody would want to listen to you takes a, a you know a moderate ego <laughs> yeah. especially us you know, like you and i are victims or not are not victims we are uh culprits in this <laughs> as well but like at the same time we're not a, like a multi-million dollar company invading sure. uh an industry that is mostly run by the peasants you mm-hmm. know like yeah. <laughs> well you know transistor the host that we use they're all like their biggest sell is to companies <laughs> like that's kind of like their target audience is businesses that want to start podcasts based on their business and and speak openly about how their business is run and maybe that's not what ge was going for um but it is it is a growing part of the market and i only listen to one podcast like that and it is for transistor but i listen to it because i enjoy the people that are building transistor and because i like to hear about um what's in development of the podcast host that i'm using it's actually like a brand that i would use i don't know if i would listen to a podcast from gillette i don't know if i would want to listen to a podcast by my local dairy makers dairy producers but if they're funny about it like yeah. i don't know like <laughs> like i didn't think i would i actually no i mean like like that's the thing is like if you lean into it mm-hmm. really heavily you know, if like you're doing a GE podcast and you really lean into it in a really creative way, mm-hmm. by all means, I just don't want to hear executives bragging about their sales figures yeah, or whatever. You've got to have something to or say. Or about how their business is going to change the world or whatever. I want to hear, like, if you're a dairy company, I want to hear you on location milking cows or making <laughs> ice cream. I want to hear you talking about, like, like your ice cream going bad, like, there should like be dairy, a, there dairy sh- horror stories, you know, yeah. like there should be a broad appeal. Like you should be able to, to take something from the podcast, no matter who you are. Like it shouldn't just be your investors that are going to find this interesting. It should be people that maybe yes. use your product or something. And for, for it a dairy be- company, you could do, it doesn't have to be like a, a weekly podcast where you're going into the barn and you're 
you're interviewing the cows or or the people milking <laughs> the cows, it could be like a, a very short series of things based on specific topics, like frequently yeah. asked questions about the dairy production thing, you know, like the the effects of RBST and the hormones that we use to produce more milk and like the effects on the cows and the effects that that has on people and, and mm-hmm. you know, speak truth to power about things that people actually would be interested in your field rather than how the stock's going. Like it's tough because like the radio labs in this American lives of, of the podcast industry kind of like they mine those industries mm-hmm. for their own, in, like the most interesting stories. That's so like true. there was a really good um, story. I think it was radio lab or someone did it on a uh, expiration dates on milk or whatever and how much milk we waste. Yeah. Like, that, that that that's something I could see a really awesome feature on a dairy podcast, but Radio Lab went and poached that, and like it's like appropriation, you know, like they're appropriating yeah. an industry for Radio Lab, but they're yeah. doing it in the Radio Lab's fashion and style, so it makes sense. That's why it's okay. Mm-hmm. Like they're putting their own spin on it. Yeah. Um, whereas you know, like a dairy, like it would be so like totally cute to hear like a, a, a nerdy farmer or whatever, you know, bragging about his cows or whatever. Like, yeah. oh my god, I'd love to talk about it. this one. Uh, what about St- you ever heard about Stone Cold's uh, Steve Austin's podcast? No. <laughs> I, this this came up, I think on uh, I think might have been Zoe Chase that did a feature on This American Life about this show, but but like Stone Cold Steve Austin has or did a podcast at a certain point and it was just so stream of consciousness stone cold steve austin and obviously he has a huge following so he's going to get listeners but like it's just such a funny idea to me because like he has one episode where he's just going back and forth he just like double tracked himself Mm -hmm. and like one of him is a like one voice of his is like pitched up and it's a fly and he's just like having a a swatting contest with a fly i like (laughs) yeah it's exactly that was my reaction to him like this dude is like the the you know one of the wrestlers I grew up with or whatever. Like he's just you know, well, he's just doing this weird abstract like fictional weirdo like Gonzo podcast thing. Like that's great, huh? Well, like, that, whatever that's it was, so wacky. It seems to have pivoted to a more standard interview show because it's still going. Yeah. And uh, any I think Rogan people. probably Rogan probably uh, swept. I think there were some interviews going on, but mm-hmm. if he's if he's if it now his his trajectory has been you know the joe rogan podcast style yeah then you know power to him but but he had something really special for a while (laughs) if he if he he isn't doing it anymore that's interesting that's what i'm saying man like anybody can have a podcast and it can be weird and different and if it isn't that's fine because people find their niche and they find the things they like and that they just want more of that because once they listen to every episode of dax shepherd if they want to listen to like more fun like open-ended celebrity interviews who are they going to go to like the well they can go to marin they can go to conan's new podcast like there are other options terry gross terry gross like well and i don't know i feel like hers has a different flavor but you know Mm. i i i'm 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 all for people trying things out and if it doesn't work that's fine like i'm not if someone's going to make a podcast that isn't interesting to me that doesn't matter to me like i'm just not going to listen to it i have plenty to listen to um but i think people should give it a shot I could see like internal podcasts becoming a thing. Yeah. So for like to, to, to partially like go back on my, uh, antagonism of, of anchor, like a positive side of that is maybe not broadcast or like, or podcast, like the, 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 the open arena of podcasting, mm-hmm. but like an internal podcast that you could release to your, your employees people. or yeah. Yeah. Like, like something just to say, like he, here's the state of what's going on right now. Yeah. You know, like obviously you couldn't talk about like, you know, business confidential stuff. So like it would have to be kept light, you know, like and interesting to your colleagues and coworkers. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but like, that's something I could see anchor setting up a podcast studio at like some, you know, financial or like some law firm or something like that. Mm -hmm. Who thinks that they're important enough to talk about whatever they're like, but I mean, and you know, this would be good in schools too. Like this is when I applied for, uh, like a, I don't, I don't really know. They wouldn't do it in schools though. No, 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 they would actually. I, I, when I, when I applied for a job, I, this was a, a really big selling point. And one of the reasons that I got into, you know, the final interviews for this position was, um, because I have an interest in podcasting and I, you know, I mentioned that in, in my, you know, technical skills and whatnot during the interview and on my resume, they asked me about podcasting. They asked me how it could be used in schools and I gave them some ideas and they had some ideas of their own. For example, um, newsletters how do how do newsletters get distributed to parents they get sent home with the kids and usually they're lost along the way but if they do get there it's something that parents have to read why not just do a podcast it's something they can get on their phone every everybody can get it immediately on their phone they can listen to it while they're driving their kids around so the kids will be there and you can listen to it with them so you know what's going on and you save paper that's that's one great thing um i mean there there are tons of things that you can do with you know the class as well like i mean that that could be like a really great thing think about that like what if like the goal of like somebody hired at like a public school like an elementary school or a Mm -hmm. middle school or a high school what if you had to do like a daily podcast and put it together Mm -hmm. like a weekly podcast or something that and for your high school that would be so cool wait as a teacher or like an administrator or as a student Uh, i mean it would be I, i imagine like the student newspaper yeah, like 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 a student-run newspaper, and you have like one yeah. academic, uh, one teacher that's presiding over the whole thing as the editor in chief, or like the the that was that was the... one of my main ideas <laughs> when I was applying for the job. I'm like, there, there's so much that you can do with podcasting because you can you can tailor to to individual classes. Like if certain teachers wanted to do um, group projects, I could you know I could come in there and I can help them work with students to create podcasts based on uh you know certain projects so rather than writing like a a, you know a straightforward report about george washington they could record a podcast about the life of george washington or or you know whatever they could do it in the classroom setting there could be uh you know rather than having like your morning announcements you could do i mean you could record the morning announcements and then you could distribute that as a podcast it's something that the students would be able to um get into and, and kind of manage themselves like they can learn how to creatively create something and, and produce it in, in the same way that like a, a school newspaper would do. Um, and there's, there's so many options like podcasting is, is really easy to do. And I know that kids could pick up on it. I think it'd be great if more podcasting was done in schools. It's where I learned how to start podcasting was in school. It was before it was like really a thing, but I, I learned the power of being able to create, um, a narrative that was not only good to read on paper, but interesting to listen to as well. Mm. I don't know. There, there's a lot to it. Podcasting is a great medium and it, it could work in businesses internally. It could work in schools internally. Uh, you know, transistor does have that ability. Like you can set up a, a podcast feed that has a password attached to it. So it's not like something that people could publicly subscribe to. If it's something that you want to be more private, uh, you can do stuff like that. Heck you can make like tutorial videos or, um, you know, those really boring policy videos you have to watch when you're doing onboarding at a job. You could just listen to that as a podcast. Like you don't have to have like all the dumb PowerPointy graphics that come along with it. Like you can probably get the point across in audio and you can probably do it as a private podcast that you can 
give a link to when somebody is on board. Yeah. Tons of options. Yeah. That's good. Hmm. Huh. Well, that was podcast talk. Um, yeah. <laughs> podcast rending. We could, I mean, we could keep going, but yeah, no, I think it's interesting. I think, and I, I think we'll talk about it more because I, I do want your input on some more parts of this guide. Like I, I already have a, a pretty, pretty good start on, you know, like a recording equipment and recording locally. Uh, I want to oh, talk I mean, about planning and hosting, editing, remote recording. We should talk about my interview up. this week. Uh, the one I had to do this week, I had to yeah. do two this week, but the first one, um, so for good one, because i mean as much as we've just ranted against like buying equipment and like you know doing all this shit that you don't need to do mm-hmm. like this week was a very good illustration of like when you do care about your craft and you do want to do the best for the people around you but the people around you just don't care you know mm-hmm. so uh this week we interviewed uh so it'll publish on this monday which is the uh 21st or something like that um it's gonna be monday um, and that will be a good one episode called, uh, with Sebastian Maniscalco, uh, who is a Italian American comedian, mm-hmm. you know, big headliner guy. Um, and so his press junket on the day we got him was at the Four Seasons Hotel and it was in the first room they brought us to was a room with 15 foot ceilings cube and they were playing the lobby music into it over a, an overhead speaker system. And we asked the people around us, like, hey, can you turn, you know, can you t- please turn the music off? They're like, no, can do, buddy. Like, you're going to have to do it. I'm like, well, I'm not podcasting in a room where music is playing. That's just not acceptable. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to record a- an interview for these people in here. And so we went and we went rogue. Uh, we found some conference room, uh, you know, similarly high ceilings, 15-foot ceilings, cube. But now there's <laughs> construction going on outside. And I took a picture on my Twitter feed, at uh, my commentary on Twitter. You can scroll back a few days and you'll see um, this picture of this room and you'll see Jesse sitting in the middle of it. It's a massive conference room, super high ceilings. You'll see the crane outside. And um, uh, yeah, and, and I was just like, oh my God, this is what we have to work with today. And I never before had I thanked myself for purchasing uh, RX in that way. <laughs> but I was very happy that I bought Isotope's software. Yeah, terrible conditions. That day. Yeah, and um, but the thing is, like, so more on, like, on outside of the sound aspects of it, like, the, we walk into this room and there's two, um, I guess what you, you call them, like, six-foot-long tables, uh, you know, uh, facing table. each other. It, it, but... It's literally two six foot by uh, probably three and a half foot conference tables in like mashed together. Mm. And, um, you know, so if you're sitting on either side of the table from each other and like facing each other, it's too far away to have like a good conversation. And Jesse's like, oh, we'll just put them on the side of the table. And I walk around the edge and I'm like, oh, well, there's no leg room. Like there's this, the legs of the table. So you're going to put your guest with no leg room. And I, you know, I step back for a second. I'm like, let's separate the tables. And I just, you know... <laughs> You walk into a room and you see a concrete thing and, and you, well, you see an, a setup and you think that the setup is concrete and it's not, you know, you can, you can ask your guests to do things. You can ask your guests to use the mic properly. You can set up your room properly just to get the right sound. Like, don't feel like you have to take what's doled out to you all the time. Sometimes you have to, and that's, that's, you know, that's part of the, part of it too. But like in this case, you know, like I just grabbed the two tables and separated them and made the room look kind of weird and the hotel was not happy with what we did afterwards, but <laughs> I separated them and set the, set the mics up. And, and it was like, I couldn't imagine him coming in and asking him to have an interview in that way, the way that it was set up. 
And uh, I cut out parts of the interview where the in, the the guest was talking about a chainsaw going on in the background because there's a chainsaw going on in the background for some reason they're just chainsawing a building next door <laughs> right outside the window and 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 the the camera crew that's surrounding him because he has a press crew around him just kind of documenting the whole experience of releasing his special mm-hmm. um and he's also you know he was in green book he's which in a lot a really of stuff big, last year actually yeah yeah he had a really big year um and he so he has a press crew kind of documenting his every move and like we can see out of the corner of our eye like they're all starting to snicker as the chainsaw is going in the background and it's like the construction trucks are backing up and having the beeping noise which i had to manually paint out of so many clips i had to go in there and i painted out the beeping and truthfully nobody probably would have cared but like you know these are these are big names sebastian's got a huge netflix special that just dropped Mm -hmm. and like I want to make sure that we're that they want to come back to this podcast if Jesse ever decides to have him on again five, ten years from now or whatever it takes. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to make sure that they feel like they were represented well on this show and that they weren't like made a mockery of while a truck was backing up in the background while they're trying to deliver some heavy message. Um, so that was, yeah, so that was like setting up, that was my podcasting story for this week is just having to deal with this nightmare sound scenario and kind of overcoming that. Yeah, that's, I mean, uh, Ricky couldn't have done that, that's for sure. <laughs> A ro- well, yeah, I mean, a rookie, and and again, it goes back to who to, who cares, and that's what Jesse usually says to me when I point things out. He goes, "I guess that's why you're the producer," and I'm like, "I guess that is why I'm the producer." Like we walked in the, the, yesterday's interview was with uh, Chris Kelly and Sarah Schneider, who mm-hmm. have that show, The Other Two, uh, which I don't know what channel it's on, Comedy Central, and um, that's going to be a couple weeks from now. But we recorded it, and I walk into the room and. You know, this like Gimlet apparently came into New York Magazine's office and did something to this room. But mm. there's just this, you, there's like an HVAC unit in the ceiling, in the, in the drop-down ceiling above us. And I'm like, I walk in and I'm like, yep, I remember this room. And Jesse's like, what? I'm like, you don't hear that bass rumble that's coming through right now? And he's just like, I guess why? that's why you're the producer. <laughs> <laughs> Every single time. And I'm like, you're right. Nobody gives a shit about this. <laughs> but it's just, it's something that I care about very deeply. And, uh, you know now that I can afford to care about it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. I, there's so much, uh, I, I really want like mobile recording stuff and I really don't have like a huge reason to do it. And my only current reason for wanting that kind of gear is to record an internal podcast <laughs> for the company that I work for. So I'm not going to get a lot of support from you on this, but, um, yeah. In what I, why? Well, I need first of all I need a laptop. That has lots of uses. But then yes. I want a more portable rig uh for, for recording no, there's with XLR n- I would never oppose that. I would totally give you support on that. And that's actually something I wanted to bring up was um since we're on the topic of like how to podcast better, what like how if you could construct a mobile rig, what would you how would you do it? We've already talked about the Zoom H six, we've uh-huh. talked about the Marantz uh three 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 one six or whatever, three three one. Okay, so the the task cam you sent me looks like a fairly hefty little machine. It's not. I mean, it's it's a it's smaller than a brick. I guess if we're going back to our early terms, it's like this it's is the DR sixty, right? Yeah, it's about half the size of a brick. I think it's it's a lot smaller than it looks. Like okay. just look at the size of it the XLR and put on it. It's it's supposed it's designed to mount on a tripod underneath a camera. So you, you should you, essentially it's your sound rig, okay. or you can swing it. I was say, or it's it designed looks about to be the same size as a DSLR. It's about yeah, it's about the, the the width of a DSLR, which is not more than six to eight inches, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe yeah, six six inches, I would say. Um, but yeah, it's designed to either be carried in a strap bag for by a sound person. It's, a, it's supposed to have that flexibility, or mounted under the camera if you're doing like a one person shoot mm-hmm. and you don't need it, and you can and you can be portable like that. 
Well, it's cool that you can put it on a stand altogether. I think that's kind of nice. Yeah, like, yeah, it's it, got a mount on it. It's better than just sitting it on a table and. It's a nice piece of gear. That. Yeah. Well, I, I like I like the look and the feel of that one. That that looks more or less like what I want. Um, but then there, the the Zoom series is really nice. Like, like the the Zoom H6 is a great machine. And is it about the same size or is it smaller? The Zoom H6 is depending because it comes. The, the thing about the H6 is it's got four built-in inputs mm-hmm. and it's got this this little port on the the the, the top of it on it where its head would can, go. If, yeah, if you want to put on the, and, the and head mics. Yeah, back. so you, what you can do is you can put in the cross mics, the XY mics, or or what's it called XY and well, there's the different. You can get different patterns. Right, and then but then they also have a spot where you can plug in like a bigger uh, Omni mic on there too, or you can substitute it, which is what we do, which is with uh, another two input, uh, another two inputs on there. Like so, you can handle six channels in that thing of audio at, at, at all at once too. Um, so if we're t- if with it, the head is on it, I would say it's probably the same size as like width wise as the Tascam. It's not as tall. It's certainly I, I would say it's probably only three inches tall like three and a half inches maybe mm. i i mean these these are all specs you could definitely get on amazon.com but but just you know for anybody listening and not able to look at that right now that's what we're talking about um so yeah i mean the h6 i think i would go for i'm not a fan of the preamps that's why i think like something like depending on what you're trying to do like if you need to record a remote podcast with six people up to six people mm-hmm. h6 seems like the clear choice um if you need a little bit more control like I, I'm looking at the Apogee Element series now. Uh, looking at the Apogee, the four input one, just because mm-hmm. like I usually don't have to do more than four people. Um, but like, so that would be a safe thing for me to have. As far as like a quality rig is something you know, Apogees have great preamps. They definitely color it in a certain way, but they're really good preamps. The H6 preamps leave a lot to be desired. They're very noisy, um, depending on the mic you're using, but they're fine. And like for all practical purposes, if you're recording remotely people will probably pick up on that and they'll know it's not normal. Like when Marin goes to record in New York, he just brings, I think a zoom and two SM 58s and they might even do handheld stuff or just like table stands, which is the next con- aspect that I want to talk about after we're done with interfaces. Well, I, I don't know. It, it would come down to cost. And right now I can't really afford to buy any of them. So <laughs> it's kind of a, a well, mute point, but it, it's, it's fun to We're to talking think about, about like designing your dream car here. We're yeah. not talking about like, you know, let, what, like you need to do this now, you know? Well, I don't, I don't know that I need, I don't, I don't need a lot. And the zoom H six is nice, but it's also $400. Whereas the task cam is $200. So just get a used one. I would say <laughs> look for a yeah, used H six. That's actually something I was going to ask you. Like, because you can, I mean, you can even get the Tascam for even cheaper than that if you go used. Is that something that you would recommend? Is there like a a high probability that something's going to be broken? Like, yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. It really depends on how good the price is for it used, and you know, I think there's a stigma against used gear. Mm-hmm. I see it all the time with computers. Computers, maybe, like, I mean, the thing about like consumer culture is that like people will buy things and try it out and return it and you can't sell that as new again all the time. Mm-hmm. You have to repackage it. And so then it gets put on the used thing and it's just like package has just been open. I mean, you can get so many great deals at Best Buy that way or something like that. You know? Yeah, that's true. I, I got my first portable recorder uh, cheap like that. Cause it was open. I got it for like 20 bucks. I would just buy, I would only buy something used if I can get a guarantee with it. Yeah. I mean, if I'm buying vintage amp, like I bought a vintage, uh, what's it called? Like a 1983, fender twin reverb you know 10 years ago and it's still sitting in my closet i don't use it Mm. i'm an idiot um but uh but you know like i'm buying vintage gear i'm not going to expect a warranty on that um i know my service options but you know if i'm 
you know, but if you're buying audio equipment, electronics used, make sure you can get a warranty. I wouldn't go the Craigslist route because there's a lot of scumbags out there and there's a lot of people who don't know how to identify issues with their equipment. You know, like they, you might get a noisy input or like a broken input on one mm-hmm. device that they never use. And, you know, if you buy an H6 and the fourth input is just dead, then what, what was, then you have like a yeah. H, <laughs> H five and a half or whatever, you know? Um, yeah. So yeah, buying used, you know, unless you're buying it, like Apple has a refurbished page and their refurbished stuff goes for like, you know, 15% off or something like that. And 15% off, you know, it's close to their student discount, but it can be pretty good. And their quality assurance on that stuff, they probably go through more testing on the refurbished stuff than they go for their new out of the factory stuff. I would, I would bet. Man, I wish that it's student just, discount stacked. Stacked on top of? Yeah. On the refurb? What? On the refurb? Um, no, yeah, because they're separate storefronts. They right. have, they have like a million different storefronts. They have like armed forces storefronts. They have education storefronts. They have the refurbished storefront and mm-hmm. they have the regular one. And they have intercompany ones, you know, like companies will get their own Apple storefronts with yeah. their own discounts. They work out. There's a lot of options there. Um, but yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, uh, yeah. So interfaces, I would go for something that can run on battery power in a pinch. Mm-hmm. Um, but the H6 is nice because it can run off of USB hub power too. So if you do want to use it as an interface and go directly into the computer, you can. And it has a you know an AC power as well too, so you don't have to rely on batteries if you're not in the field. Which I would never. I would never rely on batteries if I if I had the option to use AC. Yeah. Oh my god. Whew. This gives me sweats <laughs> thinking about. Like I never want to have to deal with batteries. What about um? So un- what about next level mics? So we, we talked about like the the starter mics, the Yeti, the Snowball. Good, good if you have a super small That's budget. That's where you started, yeah. Going. So I started with the Duet as my interface. So I, that was my analog to digital conversion, which meant that I didn't need a USB mic. I started and and the mic that I used up until probably September of last year was uh, an eighty nine dollar Audix OM two, I think. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. So it looks like an SM58 um, or an SM58 beta or something like that. It, it looks similar to what you have, what you use the uh, SM57. Uh, beta SM87A. 87, 87. I knew there's a 7 yeah. in there somewhere. So it looks just like a like a regular stage microphone, and it is a stage microphone. And I, But, you know, it's a dynamic microphone, and that served me well. I spent $89 on that on Amazon.com because I just like – I like Audix as a brand. And I'm a mm-hmm. huge fan and, um, it lasted me and, and it lasted me three of oh, like two and a half years of podcasting yeah. uh, until I was essentially bonused this SM, SM seven B, which I'm using right now. And there's a lot of things to fact, like factor in when you're talking about mics though. Yeah. Um, because like for a next level mic for you, that was your 87. Right. And I, and, and I kind of jumped because I could have done like a road podcaster or an SM 58. Yeah. But, but I, you jump wanted... to something. You jump to a condenser because right. you had a very specific goal in mind when you That's picked true. that microphone, right? Yeah, but you the, wanted... the rim noise and right yeah. and the quality. I think your mic sounds amazing. Um, Thanks. And yeah, uh, the and the there's too much to talk about, I guess, in terms of like like mic patterns and whatever. <laughs> yeah. But one thing to actually consider that factors into the interface choice is the idea of phantom power, mm-hmm. um, because your mic requires phantom power, right? That's right. 
phantom power is when your when your microphone to to use it needs a little bit more energy than can be given through an XLR cable or mm-hmm. whatever you're plugging your computer into. So so that's something to consider when you're getting an interface. So next level mics, you know, might require a next level interface if you think about it. Um, and in my case, my next level mic that I was bonused was this SM7B. And a mic like this is what someone would call a gain-hungry mic. Um, so phantom power doesn't apply to some, so like a dynamic microphone. Jake, Jake, you're using a 87, SM87 from sure. That is a condenser microphone mm-hmm. that requires phantom power to work. And this is an SM7B that I'm on, and it requires no phantom power. But it's very gain-hungry, meaning that when you plug it in and you, you know, most people, you know, will use... Um, if you're using a cheaper interface or one that doesn't give enough gain, then your signal is going to be very quiet, causing you to have to boost the signal and you're going to get a lot of room noise. It's going to sound like that hiss that you hear when you crank the volume on something. That's going to come through more if you have to crank the volume on your, your interface or whatever you're using for gain. Um, so then you have to factor in a lot of things. So like, so again, like choosing a next level mic might require other things to make it better, mm. uh, to make it usable in that case. So you like, mo, like they say, mo, mo money, mo problems. Bro. <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, there's, there's so many factors you have to think about. Like your microphone is a, I think it's a fairly stereotypical like radio mic. It, it's good in it studios, is. um, where there isn't going to be a whole lot of noise. Uh, your apartment is, is fairly quiet most of the time. So it's good in that <laughs> application. There's been construction outside <laughs> this whole recording, just so you know. <laughs> you're gonna hear it uh, maybe <laughs> um and then you know, like my microphone i needed it very specifically because there is a lot of noise i basically have like no protection from the stuff that's outside during the summertime um right now i have a heater going off right above my head i don't know if you can hear it but there's there's the, wind you, literally blowing right on my microphone right now and if you can't you hear don't it use rx right and you don't you don't process afterwards not for this show no. Okay. Yeah. So if if I needed to, I could. But uh, in 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 most cases, like, and this is a this is a, a big point I try to drive home in in the piece that I'm writing is that you want to do as much of the work up front as you can. Like once you start taking podcasting seriously, yes. you want to do as yes. much as you can up front. And the biggest part of that is what's around you. You've got to consider your pets. You've got to consider the other people in your house. You got to people consider people outside of your house with chainsaws. Consider your or neighbors otherwise. if you live in New York. You know, like the Dogs, neighbor who's like, going to be slamming doors. Like you, my dog, occasionally will be wearing. Like when we're in the house, I usually take her collar off because it's more comfortable for it. But if she has her collar on, there's like little jingly bells or um, you know at least like her her tags. Those will jingle around if she comes into my room or if she's in my room and she's sleeping on the chair like she is right now. It's quiet and everything's fine, but. As soon as she jumps down, you're going to hear that. And if that's while I'm talking, that's in the podcast and it's not coming out. Like, I just, you can't, it's, it's very hard to get that noise out while I'm, I'm talking. So taking that off of her is a precautionary step. Sometimes I have to, like, I prefer to keep my door closed. That way, if there's any noise downstairs from, you know, may like washing dishes or, or doing whatever, that's not going to come up the stairs and end up on the recording. But I know, at least in my situation, the chances are better that if I keep the door closed, my dog's going to come upstairs. She's going to want to come in here to be with me. So she's just going to scratch, scratch away at the door. And I'm not even going to notice it because I can't hear it with my headphones, but I will hear it in the edit. (laughs) Right. Yeah, yeah. You're pretty insulated with those headphones. So there's just so much that you want to do up front because it's going to save you so much time in editing. Because as much Mm. as Mike and I talk about how great, you know, RX 6 or 7 is, whatever we're using, um, 
it's a lot of work. Like it's amazing what it can do, but it's, it's work that I think we'd both rather not do. So yeah, if you it's can, like super granular Photoshop esque type painting that you have to do with audio, if you're trying to make it perfect and there should be no reason Jake already talked about this, that you're trying to make it perfect yeah. for a podcast that's <laughs> being recorded for free in your bedroom That's right, or whatever. Yeah. Like it, it just it should not be a thing. Well, our, our expectations are probably high for our recording situations. Like your job. No, like with good one, that should sound better. I think there is an expectation that that show is going to sound better than this one. And uh, we we do what we can with this one, and that's fine. Like we're not super super picky, but there are some things that are gonna pop up, and we're like, no, 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 and that's gonna bug us enough that we're gonna spend an extra half hour digging into our show to make sure that 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 little thing is, is fixed. But um, but that's not gonna be the case for everybody. But that that's something to consider when uh you start recording, even if you're with, especially if you're recording with a uh. A cheaper microphone if you're working with the yeti that does have the patterns on it which is really nice like the fact that it has that you know granularity where you can choose which direction you want the mic to face if you're recording just yourself or you want to record several people sitting around on one track um those options are available to you but also know that at the same time even if you have the the pattern uh, you know what is is cardioid the the pattern which basically picks up whatever is right in front of the microphone if uh into the sides yeah a little bit, a little to, the bit to the side it's like a, it's like a heart shape you know but it's not a true cardioid microphone so it's it's not it's not going to do what my beta 87a is where you can't really hear what's happening around the sides of it it's just trying to pick up exactly what's in front of it so you're gonna you're gonna pick up that room noise so if you can get yourself in a room that's great i think we've mentioned on the show before that recording in a closet is not a terrible thing to do like it may seem weird, <laughs> but it's a good thing to do. I used to, like, in Vanthafotter, I would use my Yeti in a closet. I would put the microphone up on an upturned uh, laundry basket, and then I would sit on uh, a, a rolled-up sleeping bag <laughs> in front of it, just kind of crouched there, and my computer would be outside. So basically, I made myself a, my own little isolation booth because I didn't want the fan noise from the computer to come into the 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 microphone so i put that on the outside hit record had skype going and i would be by myself in a closet talking to basically a wall (laughs) which was talking back to me with mike's voice and it was goofy but it worked because it was better it was better to do that than to sit at my desk where there was apparently more of a shielding issue and uh more room noise was going to get picked up because i didn't have nearly as much shit as i i do in my office now (laughs) Uh, it was a better situation. And if there's a room in your house that is sort of like a weird place to record, but sounds better, do it. Cause heck, even like I, when recording music, you'd be surprised how many drum tracks are recorded in bathrooms and hallways or kitchens, you know, like you could record anywhere as long as it sounds good. Hmm. Yeah. <sighs> oh, man. Oh, so we we're talking about mobile rigs, right? Yeah. Okay, so my question is this. I am very frustrated having to carry around two to two to four uh road what is it, the PSA ones, the uh the this boom stands. Yeah. So like those the arm, are really frustrating. the arm stand? Yeah, the boom arms. Yeah. Those are really frustrating to, to have. 
uh, to carry around all the time. Oh, yeah. And I'm contemplating just using desk mounts, like going back to desk mounts. Oh, you sh- for sure. For uh, remote recording, I think you should. The boom arms are actually, they're really temperamental. I think if you if you bend it the wrong way or if you had it, you know, sitting in the in the wrong position for long enough, like you could ruin the springs on it and it wouldn't be good in a home. Like if you just wanted to use it back at home, like I, I think it could break a lot easier. I think you should go with the the more straightforward, like weighted that stands. I'm contemplating it because, like, I mean, the weighted stands are they are heavier. Like, it comes in the name. Like, well, the bases it's also are, you get a lot of noise transference and and you can't shift position. And if you have a host that's not mic trained, like yesterday's recording, one of the guests, I won't say who, but they um they definitely they were at least I'm right now I'm I'm probably eight inches away from the microphone and they refuse to get close to the microphone. And <laughs> if you're a germaphobe or whatever, that's fine. Like. That's that's power to you, you know. Like you, you have that prerogative. But it, just know that it makes my life hell when you don't know how to use a mic or you don't want to use a mic the right way. Um. So yeah. I well, mean, some people hold the their microphones about while they're stand. recording. You know. I guess that makes me more upset because then I think about all like the the hand like, the hand noise jostling, all the yeah. jostling and all the stuff that goes on. Ugh. Yeah, but I, I like mean, that. it's 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 tried and true. Like when you're when you're performing in a live space, depending on your microphone, of course, but when you're performing in a live space, you're not getting the hand noise when you're watching your favorite singer run around stage, you know, singing their songs. When a stand-up comedian is walking around stage, holding their microphone and switching hands and all that, you're not getting the hand sounds. Well, those are stage mics. Yeah. Right. Like there's, but you can get, if, if that's something you need to do, if you know, you don't want to, if, because I imagine with a lot of people who are doing remote stuff, like you're in town, you're in a city where a lot of things need to go down. Um, If you had to haul things around in a car or even worse, if you had to fly with your gear, which a lot of people have to do that, that becomes a huge issue because now instead of just your, your normal luggage and your recording luggage, you're also carrying these gigantic weighted like table stands and that sucks to carry around. So if you're able to do it where you can just bring your microphones and as long as those microphones are good, like my, my microphone that I'm using right now is, is basically specifically built for that purpose. Like you could, you could use this microphone or you could use a, you know, a, a 58, you could use any sort of live or mi- microphone in a house setting. And it's going to be even better when you're on the road and you have to use it in somebody's hand. Hmm. If I were to buy another microphone, because I would probably bring along my microphone so I don't have to shell out another 250 bucks, I guess, for, for another one of these, I would probably buy another one of these. Or I would try something that's somewhat similar. Maybe I would go with uh, a dynamic mic to, to just have some variability. But um, I think uh, I think it's good to have, if you're going to do any sort of like mobile stuff, it's probably good to have a live mic because in my opinion, that is a live setting no matter because you don't know where you're going to be. You don't know who you're going to be dealing with. I think it's good to have something that you can use in, in a more wide array of situations. Well, the table clamp is also another concept because when we first walked into the, the first room the other day where all that music was playing in the hotel, mm-hmm. aside from the music playing, I looked around and there was not a single table that was thick enough to accommodate the road stand. Mm-hmm. And I'm starting to realize that, like, you know, this is something, like, when I interviewed Rabiglia and I went to his place, I had to call ahead and see, make sure they had a table that I could use in the meantime. So there's, like, there's, like, a, like, they are a hindrance, I think. I think for all the good they do in terms of, 
like they, they can, they can, like, I want to say that they improve visibility, but they can also hinder visibility too. It's like a lot harder. Like if you have a boom stand, if you have three guests or something to look to your left mm-hmm. and not have a, a, a thing blocking their, Oh yeah. Like their way. Do you ever watch yeah. like the, the YouTube videos for the, like the big radio shows, it's probably more prevalent in like hip hop and stuff. But if you're watching Stern or whatever, yeah, yeah if you watch like Stern live, but or they're something. all sitting around one table and uh-huh. they have all these microphones basically coming out like a big spider out from the middle. You can yeah. see the person to your left. You can see the person to your right, but everything else is obscured <laughs> by, right. by boom arms. Yeah. But if you're using a boom arm and you're not anchoring it to the center of the table, because the road, they come with a thing where you can, if you can drill into a table, you can mount the road to the center of your table. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, if you're trying to be mobile with it, you have to clip it to the edge of the table. Yeah. And that is, and that depends on the thickness of the table, first of all. Second of all, that's going to be like a, th- like a thing that sits on the side of the table mm-hmm. and gets in the way. Um, yeah, I don't, I, I just, I'm more and more worried about the noise, the sound quality. Mm-hmm. Cause like I, the f- first season, the last season, a good one, we had a desk that kept pounding the table whenever he would say something like for emphasis. And like during the break, um, the engineer was like, Hey, can you not pound the table? And he's like, okay. <laughs> and then persisted to do it. You know, he persisted and it was, it was super annoying. Um, and you know, I feel like, I just think from an easiness perspective, it's going to be, you're, you're right. It's going to make way more sense. So then I have to figure out, do I want like the tripod ones that you can get for 10 bucks on Amazon? Or mm. I think, I think that a headgum has a bunch still probably in the gear closet that I could probably ask for next time, but it's worth it. It's worth it to experiment. You know, mm-hmm. like it's an, I would argue it's an easier setup to, to take those out of the bag. And instead of having like twist tie them and then, mm-hmm you know, do like an inverted screw on. Cause you, cause <laughs> you ever tried to put a mic, like screw on a mic to one of these road PSA stands, like you're doing it upside down. So you're kind of like holding the stand in place and then, you know, twisting with your bad hand or your good hand, depending on how you set it up and what, like, yeah. Yeah. Mo- mobile recording. It's, you know, it's like, <laughs> I think I also, this is, this is a radical thought for me is I think I want to lose the computer when I'm recording live. Oh really? And just go to the, the, just the, the zoom yeah yeah, yeah. That, and that that brings me to my next point which is the idea of a backup mm-hmm. yep that's the last bullet point in my podcasting guide is backups is backups uh and not speaking about i'm not i don't want to touch like backing up like after you're done you know like i'm talking about in the moment like what happens like because i i have this phobia and it's a very valid phobia because it, it it is a, like uh of just like losing whatever you've done mm-hmm you know, or, and there have been a few times in my three years at HeadGum where I've, you know, like a, a recording a stop midway because the processor dumped out or the drive wasn't fast enough or something like that. And, and logic just crapped its pants. Mm. That's a thing that happens. Yeah. And it's going to happen to you too, podcast listener who's listening right now. If you're, if you're listening Maybe. to this, <laughs> you, no, like, I mean, but the thing is like, I, I think about like Marin's setup and he, what the way he does it is he runs an external audio into another zoom. Yeah. So he interfaces when he's in his garage he interfaces into his computer and then has a line out to his zoom as a backup and i'm sure that's come in handy at one or two times or else he wouldn't have it but it's that's the thing is like if you're recording mobile like what do you do you know mm-hmm. how do you so i actually took my iphone out uh during the sebastian interview the other day and i put it on the table oh yeah i for, always do that i always yeah. do that like when i bought my like professional interview recording i always had both running i would put one um i would just like basically set the recorder down as as close to the person as i could at the table and then i would just have my phone out as well recording and i would the nice thing about the um 
about the iPhone is is that you can flip it completely around and the screen will reorient itself, not just in landscape mode, but in portrait mode as well, upside down. So I could still read my notes while having the microphone pick like turn towards my subject and I can still read my notes, ask my questions, but know that it's still recording and, and picking it up mm. in the best way. So yeah, it's, it's good to have that backup. Cause even if it doesn't sound great at the very least, you'll have something. Right. And, and like the idea, cause like you only get an hour with these people and these are mm. big people that, that I'm, getting to work with and having the privilege to work with. And, you know, if you, if you screw this up, like, <laughs> I mean, you'll probably won't get hired again. This the first thing they'll probably replace you with somebody else. But that's, that's, that's the thing. Like, so maybe I don't want to lose the computer and I want to figure out a way to back up, you know, like, well, can't you two interfaces, can't you right? record like, to your zoom and also into logic? You can, I believe that you can press record on the zoom and record to your SD card. Then we should do the that. Next, Right, that's and that should be that should be the move. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're just using the Zoom on its own, like what are the odds that something goes wrong? If you have a shitty SD card, there's a, you know, there's a probability of that. You know, so be. like, if you, I, I, so I guess rule of thumb is if you can afford to bring the computer, then do it, and then also put an SD card in your Zoom or whatever interface you're using if you can, and do both just because you can. If you're in a pinch and you have to just rely on the H6 or whatever your Zoom or sd card then you just then you're chancing it Mm -hmm. you know it's like any other consumer if you any listeners that aren't backing up their devices their phones or their computers you're insane (laughs) figure it out (laughs) figure it out right now after this podcast ends go figure it out just hang up the podcast and go do something else and figure out how to contact jake and ask him for his uh backblaze referral code yes Something like that. Just figure it out. Yeah. There's so many ways to back up now. There's no excuse not to. I record every episode of this podcast uh, recording my input and also your Skype track, just in exactly. case. Exactly. And I know you do that, and I'm thankful for that. Yeah. We've never had to rely on it. No. But, but I do use it every week because it helps me line up your track when I get it from you. Right. Yeah. Instead Multiple of doing uses. the clapping method, which That's we right. used to do for Bantha Fodder. Yeah. Now, whether or not I need to keep your Skype tracks that's a different story <laughs> there's gonna there's gonna come a point when i'm i'm dumping a bunch of old podcasm source files but so far i have all of the source files in one folder and then i also have all the logic files with the source files copied into them into another folder is that excessive mm. probably that's excessive i just the way i have it set up on my computers i just have the uh the project audio i have the project save all the every clip inside of it yeah gets saved to the project and then if i have like a source file like an asset from like a theme song or something it gets copied into that project mm-hmm. from elsewhere on my computer yeah. but otherwise the interviews then i then i manually back up the interview tracks afterwards you gotta be careful on folder. those logic templates i noticed when i was producing another show that if you save a template and that project at one point contained files that you removed those mm-hmm. like removed from the like from the from the actual timeline those are oh, still yeah. in the, the template so i was yes. i was editing episode five of a podcast and i had to for some reason go into the logic you know package and and dig out um the files or replace a file and i noticed that the all of the audio from episodes one and two which i edited in the same session were still in that file <laughs> yeah yeah they live there yeah